You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. It's a cold one today, isn't it? Is it not? <laughs> wow. Man, I tell you what, if I didn't have to teach Sunday school this morning, I think I'd be sick too. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. For those online who don't know, it's zero degrees outside, so it is a, it is a chilly one. Um, if you'd pray for my wife, you know we're talking about everyone that's sick. My wife's actually home with uh, Avery is sick today, and she's home with her. And then Mason, for the last week, has just had a horrendous cold, and he's been up all night coughing every night, like the worst that I've ever seen one of my kids sick, just up all night. So Julia's up all night with him putting, you know, essential oils on him and everything, which is, you know, they last for about two hours and then he starts coughing really bad again. Then she has to get up and put the diffuser on essential oils. And so it's just been, I mean, she's already exhausted with what she has to do and then having to be up all night is just crazy. So if I appreciate it, if you'd pray for her as well. All right, let's read this. Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that as we, Lord, look into your word this morning, that you would soften our hearts, Lord, that you would teach us something from your word, and that you will help us to see exactly what you have for us today. Thank you so much for your word and how it guides us through our life, Lord, how it is a guiding light. I just pray that you would use it to guide us and show us areas that we need to work on in our lives today. I pray that you would fill me and use me, Lord, as well. And we pray this in your precious holy name. Amen. So today, I want to do what this verse tells us to do. I want our thinking to be true, to be honest, to be just, to be pure, to be lovely. And hopefully, as we do this today, and as we do what we're going to get into here in a little bit, we will find some virtue, and we will find some areas of praise. So what I really want us to do today is some personal evaluation. We've just come through 2017, and in a few hours we're going to be entering into 2018, right? So this is a time of year that is commonly known for what? Yes! Resolutions. <laughs> Some of you were like, eh. Yes, this is the time of year that's commonly known for resolutions. Okay, so it's a time of year when we look back on the past year, where we reflect back on the past, and we look forward to the future. Okay, the number one resolution, which probably a lot of you know, what's the number one resolution made? Wait. The number one resolution that is made is to lose weight, okay? The number one broke resolution is losing weight as well. So <laughs> that is the number one made one and the number one broke one. But 1 Timothy 4.8 says, for bodily exercise profiteth what? Little, okay? A lot of us Baptists like to interpret that word little as none, 
Okay, but that, <laughs> that's not what it says. It doesn't say profiteth none. It says profiteth little, okay? But then what's the next part? But godliness is profitable unto all things. And that would include bodily exercise, would it not? Right. Well, a couple weeks ago, actually, when I was teaching on being a good steward, one of my points that I, that I didn't get to was being a good steward of the bodies that God's given us, okay? So it is our responsibility to take care of our bodies, right? To, so that we are as effective as we can possibly be for Christ. So even though it may profit little next to godliness, it still is profitable. So I don't want us to make a resolution this morning to get more in shape. I want us to make a resolution to be more godly. Because this is what's going to benefit every area of our life. Let's start off this decision of being more godly with being honest about our condition before the Lord. It is important every so often to do some personal evaluation. Where we are in our Christian lives. Evaluation is not a bad word. The only time we don't like the word evaluation is when we don't like what the evaluation is going to say about us, right? That's when we don't like what evaluation... But, but, but let's say our report card is going to come across with flying colors. Then are we excited about what it's going to say? Yes, we are. So, with that being said, I have titled this lesson, Our Report Card. All types of people do all types of evaluations for all types of different reasons. But all those evaluations are for the same purpose. They are to see where you were, where you are now, and where you are projected to be in the future. When talking about Christian life, there are so many aspects that we can and should evaluate to see if you're growing at the rate that we should. All of these aspects would be impossible for me to cover this morning, right? That would just be absolutely impossible because that includes the entirety of the Word of God. So the things that I'm going to cover today, I believe and I trust is what the Lord led me to talk about. I mean, we're going to talk about a few aspects today, but it would be impossible to cover all of them. That's why it's important for us ourselves to be getting into God's Word every single day, right? Go ahead and turn to James chapter 1. You know, we can't, just, we can't just get all that we need to learn, all these aspects of Christianity, which is where a lot of Christians are. They try to learn everything about how to walk their Christian lives from church, right? That's all they do. They go to church, and they may be faithful to church, but it's that time in between every church service when we really need to be getting into God's Word and grinding out what it says ourselves and really digging into the truths of Scripture. James 1, verse 23 through 25. James 1, verse 23. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. So God's word is as a mirror that shows us our true condition. Verse 24. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. How often do we do this in our own lives? How often do we hear God's word preached or, do we, are we, that we are, or how often are we reading our own Bible and God shows us something and we're like, ooh, yeah, 
that's good. I need a, that's something that, yep, that's definitely the Lord speaking to me. That's something that I need to work on. He's, he's definitely pricking my heart about that thing. And we go, yep, I need to do something about that. And then we close our Bible and we don't do anything. We just, for, we just go on and we forget what the Lord was speaking to us about. Forgetteth what man and he was. Verse 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, God's word, the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, as we often do, being not a forgetful here, but being a doer of the doer of the work, this man what? Shall be blessed in his deed. Do you want to be blessed today? I want to be blessed. We want to be blessed. We have to get into God's word every single day, and we have to let him speak to us. And when he does speak to us, we can't be forgetful hearers. How often are we forgetful hearers? We can't be those forgetful hearers. We have to take God's word, and we have to not just be a hearer, but a doer. We all know that God did not design our Christian lives to be stagnant. We talked a couple weeks ago about our working salvation. If you remember, we talked about how we were supposed to work out our salvation. We have a working salvation. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Are you there? Say amen. That wasn't a very strong amen. All right, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But, what's the next word? Grow. grow. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory now, forever. Amen. But grow. Are you growing? We're doing, we're doing some evaluation here, right? So, are we growing? Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. We're going to read 12, 13, and 15. Starting in verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, or love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Drop down to verse 15. Upon these things, thyself, holy, are we completely and totally wholly given to the Lord in these things? Give thyself wholly to them that thy what? That thy profiting may appear to all. When we are growing, as we should be, when we are growing in our Christian lives, is, that gonna, is there, is there going to be evidence of that? Yes, are people going to see that evidence in our lives? Is that going to be noticeable to others? Yes, absolutely. So for, let's forget about our own opinion for a second. What if I were to go to your wife? Or what if I were to go to your husband or your kids or your coworkers and ask them, have you seen a difference in this guy? Have you seen a difference in this girl in the last year? What would they say? Is there a difference in us? Is there a noticeable difference? Are we growing? Are we profiting? Is our profiting 
known to others around us? Is there fruit in our life now that there wasn't a year ago? There should be. Turn to Psalms chapter 1. Very familiar portion of scripture, Psalms chapter 1. I love this chapter. Psalms chapter 1, verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. If we are not producing the quantity of fruit that we should be in our lives, it's because our roots are not planted in the right things. If our roots are planted in the world, what are we going to take into our life? We're going to take in the ideology, okay? We're going to take in the influence. We're going to take in all those things that the world wants to give us, okay? That's what happens when our roots are planted in the world. If our roots are planted in the Lord, we're going to take up wisdom, we're going to take up strength, and we're going to take up the things that we really need. But a lot of us are planting our roots in the wrong things. We're planting our roots in the ideas and the philosophies and the beliefs of this world. And you know what? It's affecting us because we're taking that stuff in. Our roots are planted in those things, and we're taking those in, and they're affecting us, and it's becoming a part of us, and we don't even know it. We have to stay grounded in the truths of scriptures. We have to keep our ideas Solely based off of God and his word, not off of what the world says. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verse 10 through 15. We're talking about growing here. Ephesians 4, 10 through 15. He that descended is the same also ascended up far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a what? Perfect man. Does it take work to be perfect at anything? Yes, it takes work. It's a process. It's a growing process. Nobody's just automatically perfect at something the first time that they try it, okay? It's a process. It's a growing process. It's something that we have to grow at, but the key word there is grow, okay? We have to be growing. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive us. But speaking the truth in love may, what's the next two words? Grow up. Grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. I love how this verse says, grow up into him. If you notice that, it says grow up into him. Because that carries the whole idea of being engrafted, right? 
that carries the whole idea of being grafted, which James 1.21 says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. That's making God's word a part of our lives, engrafting it into our lives, literally making it a part of us. Would our report card for the last year show that we are growing, we are learning, we are producing more fruit than we were? If the answer is no, then we need to take some time and do some serious evaluation of why that is the case. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter two two. It says, as newborn babes, what? Desire the sincere milk of a word that they may grow thereby. We can all, all we can probably all remember times in our life when we really desired to grow, when we really desired to learn and to serve our loving Father. We can probably always remember, you know, we always refer this back to, do you remember when you first got saved and that, that passion that you had for the Lord? Well, yes, that is definitely the case for most of us, that we, as soon as we got saved, we had that passion, we had that drive for God. But, you know, Life is filled with up and downs, right? So my uncle actually talked about this on Wednesday, and that's what he's talking about. You know, sometimes we're up here, we're just loving God, we're just serving God, we're enjoying every second of it, and then we take a nosedive, and then we're down here, and we're in those, as he called them, dry places, those dry valleys, you know? And life's, ser life's a series of, up, of ups and downs, you know? Do we desire that sincere milk of the word all the time like we should? No, we don't. We do not. Why? Why does this happen to us? I believe this happens to us. I believe we go through those dry spells in our life because we lose focus. We lose our focus on what's truly important. I believe Revelation 2.4 describes this for us. It says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. We are losing focus. We have all had those points when, we when our love for Christ is so strong and so motivated, but when we start to take our eyes off of Christ, we, we take our eyes off of Christ, we put them on other things, and what happens? Well, it's just like Peter when he was walking on water, when his eyes were fixed on Christ. A beautiful story with so many wonderful analogies. When his eyes were fixed on Christ, he was standing strong, he was standing firm, he was, as we would put it, in modern day terms, A-OK. -okay. He was all good to go. But then, when he took his eyes off of Christ, he started to sink, right? He lost his focus on what was important. I want to look at some of the things that I believe us as Christians tend to lose our focus on. First, we lose focus on what should drive us to live for God. Why should we live for God with our lives? Why should we serve him? Why should we desire to do his will? Why should we desire to please him? Why? 
When we boil it down, it all comes down to one reason. Go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. behind our motivation to love God and to serve God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. What are, the three wor- what are the three first words in that verse? We love him. We love him. Do you love God? You might say, well, how can I know that I, whether I love God or not? How can I know for sure? Well, Jesus, in John chapter 14, verse 23 through 24, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him and will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. If we love God, we will show him by obeying his words. If God was filling out our report card, would it say that we love him the same? Would it say that we love him more? Or would it say that we love him less than we did last year? Right? We're doing, we're, we're doing this evaluation. The New Year's coming up. It's time for us to look back on this past year and see where we've come from. So are we growing? Do we love God more than we did last year? Where are we? 1 John 4.19 says, we love him, but why? Why do we love God? Why? The next part of that verse tells us why. We loved him because he first loved us. God has earned our devotion. God has earned our service. He deserves our commitment. He deserves our life. We, we, have the privilege, we have the honor of serving him. It's not the other way around. Despite what we think, God does not need us, okay? There's not a single person in this room who's not replaceable. There's not a single person anywhere who's not replaceable. God doesn't need any of us. Does he want to use us? Yes, he wants to use us. He wants to fill us. He wants to see our lives flourish for our benefit. It's for our benefit, guys. He doesn't need us. We got to stop thinking that we're something special and that, you know, God needs us. There's not one of us that aren't irreplaceable. God doesn't need us. We need God. So we lose focus on why we do what we do. Should be because we love him. That should be the driving force behind everything that we do. Second, we lose focus on the fact that heaven is our real home. This life is just prep work for our home to come. We are all guilty of losing our eternal focus, our eternal mindset. Turn to Colossians chapter 3.
Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Listen, we need to stop setting our affections on things of this world, right? The things of this world should be as dead to us. They really should. The things of this world should be as dead to us when compared to what our eternal focus is supposed to be. But we don't consider those things of this world as dead to us. Actually, we do exactly the opposite. We do as this verse says, and we set our affections on those things. And those are the things that we use to drive us. And those are the things that we use, use to motivate us. If I can just get that next promotion, if I can just get that next, if I can just reach this next goal in my life, then, th th then, I'll, then I'll have arrived. That's what it's all about. It's just about getting to that next step to please ourselves. And we got it completely backwards. It's all about heaven. It's all about eternity this this we're so focused on the here and now so often that it completely warps our what what our what our world view should be which is this is all temporary heaven is my true home romans 8:18 says for i reckon you know what I skipped ahead one verse. John 14 through through 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Are you looking forward to being with the Lord someday and getting your mansion that he clearly says that he's preparing for us? That's awesome. You know, I can't wait for that day. When we get done here today and we go home, that's not our home. Heaven is our home. That mansion that God is making for us in heaven, that is our home. That's where we're going to spend all of eternity. That is what we should be focused on, is eternity, not the here and now. That is our home. Romans 8.18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What is Paul saying here? He's saying we need to stop being focused on the world. We need to stop letting the cares of this world weigh us down. We need to stay focused on the fact that life isn't, that our life here and now isn't even a drop in the ocean of time. The things of this world, as we all know, are clearly not even worthy to be compared to the things of heaven. So we lose focus that our home, our eternity is going to be spent in heaven and we should we are to be working towards making a better future for ourselves in heaven not a better future for ourselves here on earth we're to be focused on our rewards in heaven on doing things for christ things that are going to last for all eternity third we lose focus where true joy lies we lose focus where true lies. true joy we must never forget that true joy can only be found in the Lord. Psalms 35, 9 says, And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. We so often, we so often seek to find joy in all the wrong places and in all the wrong things. We look to possessions, 
money, entertainment, relationships, the praise of men, career success. Some people look to drugs. On and on we can go. While all of these things may bring a form of joy, they will never bring us true joy. Godly joy has some very specific attributes that worldly joy can never have. First, it is always accessible. Hebrews 13.5 says, For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Lord and the joy that he gives when we are living for him is always accessible to us if we are willing to just tap into it. It's always there for our taking. So first, it's always accessible. Second, it is a sustaining joy. Psalms 55:22 says, "Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved." When we place our joy in worldly things, that joy can come and go, right? It can come and go just as easily as the temporal things that it's built upon. When our joy is placed in the Lord, he is able to sustain that joy no matter what our situation is. And no matter what circumstance we find in our life. You know, we see these people who are going through these extreme fiery trials. And what? They got a smile from ear to ear. You know what? They have learned to let the Lord sustain their joy even in a very dark place. And he can do that for every single one of us if we put our trust in him. He sustains. It is a sustaining joy. Number three, godly joy brings contentment. It's the exact opposite of worldly joy. Worldly joy breeds discontentment. Godly joy breeds contentment. Isaiah 26.3 says, Though I will keep him in perfect peace, that's contentment. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. When our joy is in the Lord, he keeps us in perfect peace. And if we have perfect peace, then we are going to be perfectly content. Is that right? Are we not going to be perfectly content if we have perfect peace? Perfect peace is Contentment. If we have perfect peace, we will be content. So third, it brings contentment. Fourth, it causes a spiritual hunger. When we place our joy in the Lord, our desires shift from a worldly focus to a spiritual focus. We start to desire the sustaining truths of our Lord more than the feeble enjoyments of this world. King David looked to God to fulfill his joy, and it created a yearning after God that, that I wish I had, that I wish we all had. Turn to Psalms 63. Wow, I can see that I am not even going to get through half of this lesson today. Oh, my goodness. Praise the Lord. Psalms 63, we're going to look at verse 1 through 8. And I, want, I would just read this, but I want us to see this for ourselves. Um, it's awesome. Psalm 63, verse 1 through 8. O oh God, 
Now just imagine this. Just imagine this being your prayer, okay? Just imagine this being you saying this to the Lord. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul trusteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as the morrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth, what's that next word? Hard. I love that. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Now, I truly believe that this was a psalm from David's heart. I believe that he wrote this, and this really represented his heart's desire and where his heart was. But does that represent our heart? Do we feel that same way? Do we feel that same passion? Do we feel that same joy in the Lord as David felt? We are all guilty of placing our joy in things other than the Lord. We look to things to make us happy, which almost always, undoubtedly, ends in us being unhappy. God's word states that true joy can be found in him, in the promises of scripture, in, in our salvation, and in serving others. True joy is found in the Lord. Psalm 16, 8 through 9, I have set the Lord always before me because he is my, at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Joy is found in promises of scripture. 2 Peter 1 through 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding and great and precious promises that these that by these ye may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. True joy is found in the promises of Scripture. Number three, true joy is found in our salvation. Luke 10, 20. Notwithstanding in this rejoice, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Do we have something to rejoice about in our salvation? Amen. Glory to God. Absolutely, we do. True joy is found in serving others. John, John 13, 12 through 17 says, So after he had washed their feet and taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done unto you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Verily I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Here's the key phrase. If you, the key phrase. If you know these things, 
This is what Jesus said. If you know these things, does anybody know the next part of that? Happy are ye if you do them. If you know these things, if you are serving others, that's where you find true joy. That's where you will find true happiness is when you're investing in other people's lives, not your own. You see, we got it so backwards. So many things that we do, we're investing in our own life because we think that's what's really going to bring us true joy. If we can just meet that want that we have, we will be happy. God's, God says, no. It's actually the exact opposite. When you wash one another's feet, when you're investing in other people's lives, that's where true joy lies. And that is where we're going to have to stop here. We're almost 10 to and yes, I am only halfway through. There's so much more here that I want to share, but um, I trust that, wow, I trust this is where the Lord wants us to stop today. So, um, you know, we've just, we're getting ready to head into a new year. So as we sit back and we do evaluation on the past year and where we were and where we are now, have we grown like God would want us to? Do we love God more today than we did back then? Are we, do we have a stronger desire today than we did last year to serve God, to live for God? If we don't, there's things in our lives that need to be corrected. There's things that need to be taken care of. We need to release all those cares of the world that we have, all those desires that we have in the world. We need to release those and dive into the scriptures and make God's desires our desires. God's will for us, our will for ourselves. And we need to get focused. We need to remember why we're here, why we're serving God, why we're doing what we're doing. And then in turn, we will have that drive that we need to go out and live for Christ. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.